you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal, and I just asked, what does Dan say at the beginning of the show every time alongside uh, one hero here in the Chris Wesseling podcast studio? It's Mark Sessler. It's me and you, buddy. I don't think that we've done, you know, what, 14, we need to even know 1,400 plus um, thousand episodes or 100 episodes, whatever the word is, the number, but we had the combination of you and I doing a show together, I don't think has occurred. No, I don't think so alone. It, it makes me feel a little more alive. That's good. Just like anything that changes up routine, that's good. It also shows like our lack of chops, our lack of professionalism that like, I was like, <laughs> what, just me and Mark doing a podcast? What, two, uh, two white guys doing a podcast? That's so ne- atypical. That's never right. been done before. We need way more help than that. That it does speak up poorly of us on that front. How was your Mother's Day, though? Not that you're a mother, but like I thought I'd ask you because I would imagine it was nice. Uh, it was it was pretty uneventful. I Emma could put my mind at ease when I kind of talked about Mother's Day, and she's like, "I'm not your mother. Like you don't need to get." And I was like, "That's kind of true. That's like, refreshing. Like I don't, you know, it's more that the kids did a lot of nice stuff, and yeah, we ate some good food. She didn't have, you know, it was nice. Yeah, I had to whip um, our children into shape. On some fronts, they didn't quite get the aspect that it was a day where they aren't served, but are serving someone else. That's mm. not always uh, a front burner scenario in our home for them to comprehend. So, uh, but we had a nice time, and then we um, we gave them uh, an Xbox that we had been kept hidden for years because we thought it would turn into something negative. But it was pleasant. We played Madden at the end of the night. I played um, Simone in Madden, and we played Niners versus Niners, and she kicked my ass. And I was talking a big game, like I was like talking about how balanced my. I mean, I just got got totally. She threaded the needle on me. Like, was she very creative in how she used Debo Samuel? Or Absolutely, like Debo was... Samuel had had like an eighty-six yard catch on the drive number two, and I never really came back. But also, we're, you know, we have two Jimmy G's. My Jimmy G threw three picks. 
Hers was relatively flawless, t- true to life, the week-to-week experience. Yours, yours was the Jimmy G that showed up in the playoffs. Hers was like yes. 2017 Jimmy G. Uh, that's how you keep romance alive. Now, we have you know, younger people behind the desk. Now that I'm sitting actually in Dan's chair, uh, I'm looking at Justin Graver and Christy and Randy, the whole crew, like too much. I think Randy's back there. Uh, it's yes. like in their in their uh, relative youth bothers me. Uh, but I had my 15th wedding anniversary last week, and Dan is not in the country right now. He's at an undisclosed location. We should have mentioned uh, celebrating his wedding <laughs> anniversary, uh, and uh, that's one way to keep romance alive. So that's just my advice for the younger people behind the glass: is play a lot of Madden. Together. Well, right. I mean, you know, different situations, different needs. That's why I didn't really have to celebrate Mother's Day. It's like it's a big one-two punch every year, uh, anniversary right before Mother's Day. Really, what are you going to do? Yeah, the kids, the kids, they cooked her some stuff in the morning. But in the end, do you really want to eat like what a 10 and 7-year-old can make? No. Like they can make some toast with butter. Right. Yeah. A, a limited amount of that, please. Like it's not that great. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a lot of talk, lot to talk about today, surprisingly. Uh, Tom Brady's back. In the news, uh, we'll get to that quickly. Decent amount of news, and uh, I'm even more excited about our friend Connor Orr, who's going to be joining us later on this show. Uh, you once hosted a podcast that wasn't really a podcast because it was on another strange service. What was that? The podcast was called Heat and Light. Yes, it was a real podcast. Just to but be, the service to be clear. was called what? Uh, it was a. It was sort of a newfangled. Um, I don't know if I tried. I was remembering the name of it, and I could not. But it, it wasn't actually like a podcast feed. It was some other strange right. service that you had to go onto that. And they I see what you're trying you to do. To uh, do it, it was also getting monster numbers. So it was I don't doing know. Great. I'm not sure how we quantify success. But, but then um, the, you know the app failed, and our show went got pulled under with it. Graver, you, you, I know you're new to this, but that's one thing uh, in addition to the oath that you need to do when you become uh, our podcast producer is go back and listen to all the Heat and Light episodes. They're great. It's Connor and Mark talking uh, about conspiracies, talking, talking about dark forces uh, that are in the universe, and uh, it's a delightful program. And we're going to bring back the spirit of Heat and Light on this episode uh, by talking about some maybe mysterious, dark, conspira- conspiratorial elements, maybe of the 2022 NFL season. Graver, Graver Tucker, just nod your head because um, while it sounds like that would be a lot of work, you can't actually find those episodes. They don't. They literally do not exist out in the world at this point. Hmm. So just say yes. It sounds like a great idea for a spinoff pod that Mark Sessler would host. I don't right. Know. Well, it, that's what it was, that's, essentially. That's literally, with, what, that's Connor, literally so. what it was. Yeah. Uh, I think I had just started the Jesselnick and Rosenthal Vanity Project. JRVP. And um, Dan had started his music podcast, the throwback podcast. And so Mark wanted to uh, step into the fray. <laughs> he was feeling threatened. This is, by again, it. this is a re-narrative of, of, of how it actually went. But um, I think Connor and I at some point lost motivation. That might have been a big part of it. And how does Courts of Thunder fit into all of this? That That's just another new one. That's just, again, trying to stay alive, um, embracing your passions in life as you, as you get into your 40s. Uh, I'm also passionate about news. Let's do some news. I don't have anything. So Graver uh, just needs to be told that there's going to be news. Um, You know, like, yeah, Dan spoon feeds you, right? Dan tells me everything. And at this point, like, we'll have added uh, the news in post. Actually, maybe we won't. I think we should not. Let's let's, let's be real about what what just happened We will have added it. I'm like, let's let the producer produce. We've done 1,400 episodes. Graver's been a part of at least uh, more than 100 of them. At this point, he would 
probably realize that we do news every episode. He just have an appropriate sound drop ready. I, it but. gives you something to work on right. for the next episode. This is right when we when we have our like goodbye to Graver. Um, video with lots of tears in a few years. We can use this clip of like, oh, look how far he's grown. He knows what he's doing. It's going to be a few weeks if he doesn't start out. Sean, did you note that? Please, please uh, put it away. Let's talk Tom Brady. Uh, He's joining Fox Sports. What? Uh, He's making $375 million over 10 years. What? Like, he's going to be an ambassador for Fox. This was announced on a shareholder Briefing, briefing by someone named Lachlan Murdoch. What? Like, what is happening here? This doesn't seem like a real story. It is a real story. He's going to be the lead analyst. We don't know who's going to be the lead analyst for the 2022 season, but whenever Tom Brady retires, he's going to become the lead analyst. The contract's already done. What is going on here, Mark? I mean, to put it into context, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who have done... 300 plus games together and get better and better are making a combined 33.5 million together. Which to be fair, it seems fair. It I seems mean, they're, very they're fair. making a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, they fine. just made a, a move to make more money and you thought they were topping out the market to some degree. You've got Tony Romo in there. This deal is insane. I, here's the thing, like, and everyone's debating, will Tom Brady be good at this? Like the, my stance, and I, I think it's a fair one is I'm totally suspicious of literally anyone shoved into the analyst role until we know they're good. Because Tom Brady, and I, I'm not saying, oh, he's boring, so he's going to be boring at this. Maybe there's a version of Tom Brady that is uh, minus filter, that is more unleashed, that's going to change and grow and show us something else. There's not a lot of evidence for that, number one. But two, it's not that he's Joe Montana. It's not that he's Johnny Unitas, who both floundered in the in the booth. It's just that it's a special skill to be a quarterback, but it's a totally different skill, even if you have all the knowledge that he does, to communicate it to us. And there's no proof that he's going to be good at it. There's also no proof that he's totally going to suck, other than his personality is a little bit vanilla. Right. A lot I, vanilla. My initial... Re- reaction was the, the odds on him being better than Kurt Warner next year. Kurt Warner, I think, is great on radio when they give him the, the TV and the analyst role or Charles Davis, who we know, or Greg Olson. I'm just throwing out a lot of names. I You could the top shelf of the end. The odds on Tom Brady being better or even close to as good as them off the bat is small. I would say because of what you said, that it's a totally different skill set. Like the great, the best quarterbacks will make the best analysts and vice versa. Like Tony Romo's amazing. I wouldn't have necessarily guessed or thought that. Part of the reason he's amazing is his enthusiasm and he just sort of understands TV. Whether Tom Brady has tried out for this role and it went well or not, we don't know. We know that it didn't go that well for Drew Brees. Uh, I think when given the opportunity last year and he wasn't a natural, which is which is fine, but you're locking yourself into 10 years of doing it. The one thing that makes me think that he could be good is just that he's doing this at all. Because why would he be signing up now other than the money, which is crazy? I mean, he's making double what everyone else is making. He's making more in retirement than he is as a player. He's making more than he ever made for the Patriots or the Bucks. he's going to make with Fox Sports, which is outrageous. And maybe that's the answer to the question. Maybe he's not 
like passion that passionate about doing that, but the money's just too good to pass up, and it helps him do a lot of other things. But I'd like to think, as a Patriots fan watching Brady forever, that like he knows what we're all saying that maybe he wouldn't be that good at it, and if he's gonna make this big a commitment for this big money, that he's gonna try his very best to be great, and that's like half the battle. Well, there are whispers that one of the reasons Drew Brees is not succeeding beyond the fact that I think we all saw from a distance that his personality wasn't going to be overly engaging to begin with Yikes. is that Drew Brees maybe hasn't put in the work. You have to put in it. Your job changes. Like these guys that go do two games a week or one game a week, it's like you're in deep, dense film study. I mean, that's not different for Tom Brady, but then you got to go communicate it. And I just think like we know Greg Olson looks like he could have been a number one color analyst for Fox. And, like, he, and he very well might be. I would think he's the favorite to do it for 2022. Which is also weird because Burkhart and Olsen might set a really high standard and then Brady comes in and he's worse. That's the thing. It's like Tom Brady suddenly is going to have, he has competition. We already are seeing people that are setting the bar at a high place. And then Tom Brady is not used to beyond like Brady haters and Patriots haters getting destroyed on Twitter during Monday Night Football because he's not doing a great job. And I think we're also in a world where like, Viewership is changing. He signed up for the old horse, the old color analyst job where you're going to do games the way they've been done. The Manning cast probably is closer to what a lot of people of different ages would want to experience and see at least for part of a game. I just I'm I, I want to I can't wait to see it, but part I'm of it feels you, I, a little fishy to me. I'm with you, but maybe I'm old fashioned that I just kind of wish Peyton Manning was in the booth because now I've seen him at home and we know he can and, do it and I would like I love the way he lives and dies with the quarterbacks and maybe there'll be some of that with Brady but over the years he hasn't given off in front of a microphone the same sort of enthusiasm and of course he has that enthusiasm for the sport if he if he can communicate some of the knowledge that he has he'll be great he knows so much about all these different players Good and bad. And even if it's not burying players, I saw, you know, we talked about Brady on NFL now and, you know, Mark Giardi's asking, like, is he going to be critical? That's kind of what you need. Yeah, that would be nice. uh, But I just can't imagine that happening. You can still be pretty good without being that critical. Tony Romo isn't that critical ever. And he's still quite good at it. If you can really teach me something, especially in the first few years when Brady, like, absolutely knows more about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the nickelback of the Saints, and all of their secondary tendencies than anyone else on the planet. So if he can communicate that stuff, he doesn't need to bury everyone to be good. But I just haven't seen any proof of that. Like, unless Tom Brady's been trying to be purposefully uninteresting, and I guess he has been. Like, in front of a microphone, that's part of his strategy. It doesn't help him do his job, but... I don't know, like even off the field, I read a book by Charles Pierce, one of the best sports writers, great writer of the last 20 years. I I, I think he's a great writer. He really struggled to make Tom Brady like an interesting human. And I think that's a little part of it too. Yeah, I think Tom Brady can't have simply been hiding his core true personality from us for the past two plus decades. I think you got to obviously like robotic version of him with the Patriots. He's changed a little bit with the Bucks, but now we're saying go be your personality. But he it's can't, all you're he can't bring with. his social media guys with them into the booth. Like everyone who says like Tom Brady's like we've seen more of his personalities. Yeah, but it's all his social media guys, either their tweets and TikToks that they write or the bits that they write for him and that he executes and it's fun doing it. Like I've never seen him in the, in the flow of an actual conversation be 
overly quick. That, maybe that, I'm that being will be too the hard. challenge. I I'm mean, being that, too hard. That, well, I think Ricky, Ricky responded on Twitter like, "When will you stop doubting this?" Uh, guy for the like, amount of money I've never doubted him once at anything this no, is and totally for the amount different... of money like I think it's fair to have a critical eye about the whole thing something about the whole thing feels also like big industries uh, I you know I, I don't know there's well, just okay, a little more to, to this. something here when they announced the uh deal and they didn't put the money with it when Fox announced it on the shareholder big Mike will call it I mean this is very succession like they're announcing it on the shareholder meeting a, a man named Lachlan Murdoch who I'm not familiar but if if you could have guessed what is the Murdoch's son's name Lachlan would have been in the top 5 guesses uh the fact that he announced it on a shareholder meeting and he he called them that he would be like a brand ambassador as well and so that makes me think like okay they're going to pay him to do that job, but like they know that Greg Olson could do that job just as well for a, a fifth as much money. They're paying him for these sponsor things where they could just, just trot Tom Brady around like a show pony to all the other sponsors. And he like agrees to do five events a year where he like basically they're paying to hang out with Tom Brady. Yes. Like the Murdochs want to hang out with Tom Brady. Sounds pure. <laughs> Love you, Tom. I love Tom Brady. Love the, you, bro. The, I find this story really interesting. The rest of the news isn't as much. So the last quick thing is like, uh, I do kind of feel bad about uh, the Drew Brees factor. We've been mean um, about his performance in, in as a broadcaster on the show, including today. And yet there's something about like that Brees was up for this job. And like Tom Brady, who's not even retired is now swatting the possibility of this away, making triple the amount of money that Breeze could have ever hoped to get Fox just so that they can hold the seat warm for him. This is the same man who ended Drew Breeze's career and then he threw passes with his with Drew Breeze's sons on the field afterwards. It's like I'm not saying that Tom Brady hates Drew Brees and like wants to make his life miserable. I believe the opposite. But he's acting like a person. If that's how you felt about Drew Brees, th he's doing all the actions that you would expect out of that yeah, person. Yeah, there are elements of like hyper competition. <laughs> I see what you're saying, but I think, again, I think Drew Brees... And, and Manning, they're all competing right, again. Right, but Drew Brees is Drew Brees' biggest problem. Okay. It ain't Tom Brady, because mm. someone was going to pay Tom Brady a ton of money to do something at some point. Drew Brees, his Q rating dipped tremendously last season because he's not fun to watch and not interesting to listen oh. to. We're, all right. We, we got to stop killing, killing Brees. And, and Manning didn't want this job as much. He could have had it. Obviously, he could have had this Fox job. He could have had the ESPN job. He could have had any job he wants. He understandably liked this idea of just like hanging out at his house and talking with Eli. That makes like, too much he, sense. Right. He's got it better. But um, they also don't do 17 weeks of it. It's, you know, they right. come he and go. He also doesn't mind um, telling his wife and family, oh, yeah, by the way, remember that whole idea I was going to hang out with you more? I'm going to leave on a plane uh, every Thursday and, re and return every Monday uh, for the whole NFL season, just like before as a broadcaster. I think we knew that, that the hangout with family <laughs> thing was going to be uh, elementally short-lived. I also think this this has to mean this is his last year or very likely his last year. That, which, that's which the, one thing. Like, that's because, the last point. Well, I, I, I'm with you because I, it's Tom Brady. So I would never suspect this about him, but if it were another player announcing all this post career stuff and then still telling us like, it's not going to be a distraction. I am plugged in as a player. Number one, he's just made too many moves to talk about post career. We've never seen Tom Brady do that before the past couple months. Right. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it'll be a distraction, but I absolutely believe that this, 
deal increases the chances that his last season in the NFL is 2022. I had already heard. Isn't that at its heart a distraction, though? I, I'm not saying it's going to get talked about in the locker room nonstop. But he's already basically said, let's say the season goes poorly. Do we think that he's going to come back and say, let's do this again and get out of our fix that we were in the year before? No, he's going to go do this other job. I think there's something to the point that when you start talking about retirement, you, that's troubling. You're already a, a foot out the door and right. football is so hard. That said, I don't think it's going to compromise like what he puts into the job this year. I just had already heard a little whispers about some other stuff uh, that Brady, you know, off the field that indicated that this was probably going to be his last year. I don't think anyone truly knows. Tom Brady does whatever Tom Brady wants. True. If, he, if he won the Super Bowl and he feels like playing again, he's going to do whatever the hell he wants. All right. Also in the news quickly, uh, we'll talk about it if it actually happens. But Roger, I mean, Richard Sherman, who you did the broadcast boot camp with, uh, is supposedly joining the Amazon crew. And that that would be a fun hire. And that also might mean. Uh, that he could be retiring a potential future Hall of Famer. So that, He's that's already fun. got his, his own podcast, which is an awesome listen. And he was... I got to check it out. There were a lot of stars at that at that boot camp. They weren't coming in being like, I've never done media before. In fact, like you could see them just elevating beyond all the rubes that were hanging out with them like us, like trying to just show them how to do a podcast. Most like, of the point is so that they can meet the Fox and right. NFL Network executives that are there. Right. It's a smart move. They obviously. did They did a great job. But Richard Sherman like is such a natural that I think whatever they like. I have no concerns about Richard Sherman being engaging and interesting. None. Neither do I. I, I mean, if I could choose to have one guy or the other in the booth, I would go Sherman over Brady. Yes. Uh, Sherman cornerback, uh, who's a free agent, another free agent, James Bradbury recently cut by the giants. We will talk about him after this break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Uh, James Bradbury, cornerback, that is now a free agent after being cut by the Giants. This was a strange move because on paper, he was their best cornerback. Maybe a year ago, Adoree Jackson outplayed him, but he, he literally made the Pro Bowl in 2020, and he's only 28 years old. He uh, is into the top 20 of my top 101 free agents. Uh, which obviously most of them are signed, but you know, kind of post-stadium. He, he's a good player that's now available and I would think gets signed quickly. Uh, it just seems like, thank you, Dave Gettleman, because Joe Shane, general manager, inherited a lot of money issues and you can critique some of what the Giants had done this offseason, but I thought they handled the draft really well. This just was like people saying, we know you've got to cut them because you can't even sign. They're using the money, the $10 million plus they saved. They have $11 million in dead money to sign their draft class. Like that's how up against it they were. So it was just like they're not they were not going to the trade value dipped day by day because it was so obvious they had to cut him. Well, it sounded like they had some conversations. Uh I believe the Texans were the team that was were mentioned. Texans by the way also signed Jerry Hughes on Tuesday. We'll get to some of the lower level signings, but I I like that the Texans are trying to get into this whatever wave of free agency there is cuz there's actually a lot of good players available way more than usual. And Bradbury, you're right, it was smart for teams to wait it out. The reason it didn't work is because he, they wanted to renegotiate a contract. And he's like, why would I do that? Why would I help any new team out? I want to just be a free agent and pick my next location. Uh, the Eagles have been mentioned as a potential landing spot. I love that. They could really use a, another cornerback. Uh, and and they're trying to win right now. Why not do that? Uh, the Raiders have been mentioned as a potential landing spot. Patrick Graham, who coached them in that New York. That makes a lot of sense. To a, a Pro Bowl season, uh, could go after them. There's a lot of teams that need cornerbacks. Like, you don't need to overthink this. He's 28 years old, turning 29. He was a Pro Bowler in 2020. I know he didn't have, like, a great 2021. Newsflash, that's like every cornerback except for eight or nine of them. They go up, they go down. If you go from... Your highs being a top 10 cornerback to your lows being an average starter. Those guys make $10 million a year. Like he's a pretty great player to be available. Yeah. And also defense is your environment. But Patrick Graham, I, I, in, in Vegas, I, I could, that would be a juicy fit for James Their Bradbury. Their secondary stinks too. And uh, they need him. They, they could absolutely use him. A uh, couple other free agent signings. I mentioned Jerry Hughes. He was in my top 30. Uh, going to the Texans like that. The Texans are starting to get a little more active. I feel like if they actually added some decent players in the next month, they could be somewhat competitive. I don't think they're the worst roster in, anymore in the entire NFL. Sony Michelle goes to the Dolphins. A couple signings we missed a, a week ago just because of when we taped was Bryce Callahan, the former Baron Bronco and Kyle Van Noy to the Chargers. Any of those moves, Michelle, Hughes, the Chargers moves, uh, do anything for I you. think the Dolphins are going to be a fun watch, but I do think you could probably sense the skulls of fantasy heads exploding all over the planet because Sony Michelle is added to a backfield that also has Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, and Miles Gaskin. So it's like they they, they had issues. One of issues. those guys probably isn't making the team. 
I would think I would think maybe Miles Gaskin because the other they all the other three are all brought in by the new coaching staff. But that's a good point. Michelle, um, maybe not a lock just because he doesn't help much on passing downs and uh, or special teams, but he's a solid contributor. He definitely helped the Rams on their way uh, to winning the Super Bowl. Jerry Hughes can still play. Like it, it's very rare, and uh, I think this is going to benefit the teams that have some cap space left. Your Browns is cer- are certainly one of them. Uh, to really use that money well in the next month. Here's some players still available. Odell Beckham, Dwayne Brown, Jadevian Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Rob Gunkowski, uh, Akeem Hicks, Trey Flowers, J.C. Treader, Will Fuller, Eric Fisher, Julio Jones, Anthony Barr, Justin Houston, Indomitian Sue, Sheldon Richardson, uh, Kevin King. I, I just went through like most of the guys left on my one-on-one. All those guys can play football. Like All those guys can play 500-plus snaps in the NFL, and they're going to be better for the most part than your second or third-round pick that you just spent two months talking about on podcasts or breaking down how they're going to fit in. Like Most of those guys are going to be better than your second and third-round picks, and they're out there now, and that's it hasn't been like that, and I really think it's something I've been focused on in terms of team building that Teams need to spend more to the cap. They need to spend as much money as they can. Like, if not, well, like, there's no downside. Like, you're not doing what you can to win. So I think this next month is my overall point. Like, teams can really improve themselves, and it's going to make a difference uh, when it comes to September. It does seem like scenery-wise, there this time around, there was a big, let's do the draft part and see what's, what holes still remain. But this lineup of players you just mentioned... These are the graybeards right now, and they're probably like they're seven and two. They're been. seven and two right now. Like they're <laughs> fine. I mean, what? Maybe they're they're hanging in there if they're in a bad. Division. They're better than they've ever been, and I think they. Everyone thought they were going to get these big contracts and free agency this year because the cap was going way up after a couple of years of downturn. And these guys, at least, weren't happy. They didn't get them. You know, they didn't get those deals. But doesn't mean they can't get three or four million dollars. One of those guys, by the way, is Jarvis Landry. It's uh, been reported that uh, he, the. Ravens are interested in him and that feels like a good fit. Yeah. And it's also, you know, Cleveland was on the map and Mary Kay Cabot said that the door seems closed at this point. So the Ravens would be a good fit. Ravens also added Mike Davis to their backfield, who I think I like more than other people. I just kind of trust the Ravens to do well by running backs as well. Right. They, they ran out of running backs last year and it actually affected them. If everyone's healthy, Mike Davis probably isn't going to get a lot of run, but he's, he had a bad year in Atlanta. I was higher on that signing than it certainly turned out. Didn't really work, but you're right. You have J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and now if there's injuries there, uh, you have a, a nice backup. If Landry goes to Baltimore, I don't, I don't hate their receiver group. Everyone is panicking about their receiver group. If your offensive nor line, do I love it though, but yeah, but like you can't be perfect at every position, and they're obviously a team that can live without great receivers. And I would look at it this way: Andrews is your number one. Bateman's your number two. I think he'll be fine. Landry is your number three, two and three with Bateman. And Duvernay, who I th- who I like a lot, and I have a feeling the Ravens like Devin Duvernay more than most people do, is your four. And it's like, that's fine. If that's like your worst position or one of your worst positions, you're fine. Justin's very excited about Devin Duvernay. Hook him, baby. Devin Duvernay oh. was the Texas Longhorns' best receiver when he was there, and then he kind of just disappeared into a gadget player when he got to the league. I just um, realized one of the reasons they traded Brown, I bet 
is some faith in Duvernay because to me they're very similar players. Duvernay and Marquise Brown. I I, I bet you could replace seventy percent of Marquise Brown with Devin Duvernay. Yeah, it's also it is notable to me that their so-called number one wideout wanted out of a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Like it's there is something about the system that yeah. for free agents it's like no that's not I like I like the idea of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in general probably from a player angle but like as a wideout you're going to go there and you're going to see your numbers drop. Right, Marquise Brown supposedly asked for a trade after his second year when they you know when they were well, great. He was mouthing off all the time like how upset he was. So it's like it's not a great fit for some some of these wideouts yeah, at true. all. Yeah, like but here's the reality you're right. It probably hurts your your earning potential a little bit, but it's kind of like if you were, let's say, Justin Jefferson, like we would know you were Justin Jefferson. You know what I mean? Like if Marquise Brown was as good as some of the first round and, and second round receivers like A.J. Brown and, and stuff like we would know. I he's just not, he's so not Justin Jefferson good. is like truly special, but I think for for the kind of guys they have on the roster right now, it's just a little. It's a, it's one team that stands out as a bit of an unrewarding landing spot for that position. It's like you know, it's it's like they said in the social network. Like if you invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Marquise Brown in this situation is the Winklevoss. I wish I had done that, but I wish I did too. Um, Time for news and notes presented by Upwork, where you can build the team that will build your business. Learn more at Upwork.com. Another weird item uh, in the news, the schedule release has been just like sprinkling out little crumbs all week. Uh, we're mm, big schedule release doing. guys, Mark. Yeah. So is Dan. Uh, the three of us are part of uh, the schedule release bonanza on oh, NFL yeah. Network. I believe this is the first ever NFL Network program in which Rich Eisen and like Michael Irvin are on the show, and we are also on the show. Pinch yourself. I am pinching myself. Uh, they were, <laughs> I think, they were so enamored that they asked to use about two minutes and fifty-four seconds of our commentary. That's, fine. That's more That's than absolutely fine. Um, I know, you know, we've talked with Rich. He's been on our show. We saw him a couple weeks ago at the draft. I'm not certain anyone else on that show knows who we are. Uh, so it will be more the, their surprise than anyone else's. I, it does make me feel uncomfortable to think that they'll be sitting. <laughs> with their earpieces in and during one of their breaks, maybe they'll go get food. Actually, that would be good. They take a little break, get some coffee or whatever during the break that they'll be listening to us. Like Hamana Hamana about the international series games, uh, which we taped last week, but we learned more uh, news this week, which is that there's going to be a week two doubleheader Monday night football, where at seven 15, you get bills Titans on ESPN. And then eight 30, this is different on ABC. You get, uh, Eagles, Vikings. So it, the, both games will be playing at the same time at, at one point, which is strange to me. And yet kind of kind of fun. What do you feel about that? I have, mi- I have mixed feelings because I, I think that the concept of double headers, um, I love it. I think it's kind of great. And I'm like definitely like primetime games, the way that we do our job, much more than like when you're watching three games at the same time on a Sunday, which sometimes for my brain, it just does not. That's, I stop doing it. I, you like to have famously I the do. eight windows well, I'll open. I'll take little notes about things I see, and it do, it's helpful to a degree. I always feel like degree. I know less than the average fan leaving on Sundays because I just watch like the four games I'm going to watch, and I just kind of ignore the rest because it's too hard to know everything. Uh, I, I, we, have, we have different processes, I guess, on that front. But I think it's interesting from like an A.J. Brown perspective that we get his new team and the team that moved on 
gone from him. I have no idea where we'll be with Malik Willis by the time we get to week two. Everyone's like, oh, he probably won't start till week 14. It's like, this stuff has sometimes hastens so quickly, right, Graham He's Digger? definitely not starting no. in week I'm two. I'm not saying starting in week two, but that could be where if they got wallet by the Bills that you get that reaction to Ryan Tannehill on Twitter if and everything. Yeah, the, the Titans fan base will probably be calling for it way before That's it happens. all I'm saying. But now, it, I, I don't like how they did the Titans-Bills game here. What do, you, what do you think? I agree. It's like, first of all, it's a bigger game, in my opinion. It's two teams that compete for the top of the AFC versus two teams that are going to be trying to make the playoffs, I feel like, in Minnesota and Philadelphia. You might be overrating your Titans, but okay. Coming off the one seed. Like, I, would, I would actually take the Eagles over under over the Titans right now. We don't know what the Titans Just are saying. entirely right now. If I'm now. power ranking those four teams, I'm going one by a mile, Bills, uh-huh. two Eagles, uh, pretty close behind Titans. and then uh, Yes, Titans. the Titans consistently doubted. That's okay. They like to be the underdogs. But it's kind of a shot because uh, you said it. That was one of the best games of the year last year, Titans-Bills. I, I, We had to make a list of our 10 best games of the year, and I threw that one in there, even though everyone had forgotten about it by then. Like, amazing comeback. It was Monday Night Football. I had a little bit of everything. Uh, and, yeah, and they're kind of treating them because, look, it's on cable. It's on ESPN. They're, the network game are the bigger markets, which I guess is Philadelphia, but it's like – does that really matter at this point? Don't more people want to watch Josh Allen at this point than anyone in Philadelphia, Minnesota? And Derrick Henry, for that matter. But in, in today's world, everyone's going to have access to both games and watch whatever sure. they please. So it's right. not that big of a concern. No, but. I, li- I don't mind. Two games at once is fine. You can have both both of them on. We'll probably have a, like a special Around the NFL podcast show that night. So it's... Yes. I'm sure we will. It's extra work for you. I am, which I, again, I like this lineup. I'm excited no, for I, it. And it gets closer to the idea that I had. I think I presented it in about 2014 on this show of two games a day, every day for the whole NFL season. That's total chaos. You'd have, I have to do the math. Like also, you have, you'd need you to be a to team play, that yeah, played every Tuesday. Like you can't be a, a team that played Tuesday. Then you're, you're don't care. You're, well, that's, that's the problem. You don't care about that. Some people do care <laughs> like about that. Would that would be like a total. Like it would totally change how how uh, football is experienced. That was um, an idea I had though when I only had one uh, kid, my daughter Ellis, and she was still young. Now that I'm older, I don't. Now just, I want those days. It's just like you uh, living uh, alone in an apartment kind of scenario. Yeah, like, but yeah. two games a day. Like I wouldn't get sick of it. I think it, I think it would be absolutely fine. The other uh, game that was announced was Rams Broncos. Uh, on Christmas Day, uh, this is going to be a wild Christmas weekend. We'll have a full slate of games on Christmas Eve, which will be a Saturday. And then we have three games on Christmas. Uh, so say goodbye to your family. Daddy's not coming home. Rams, Broncos, maybe uh, I might have to see if I can go to that game. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I could see us somehow you know, at the game because it's right here at our workplace. So... That feels like maybe, I mean, the NFL, um, you know, I appreciate uh, what they're doing here, which is a total takeover of planet Earth uh, and certainly wiping out, nuking every other sport on the landscape. Because this used to be the gentleman's respect between the NFL, which would dot little Christmas games here and there. The NBA's day, who cares about that at this point? Christmas Day, NBA regular season action. I'm not saying that fans People don't. will. It's still a big the, NBA The NFL day. is saying they don't care about anything else in the Why environment. They, right. the, they the, used to. The ratings for the NFL Network game that they had on Christmas, which was what, or uh, I don't know, was that a network game? It was Bronx. It was Browns Packers last year. Was the 
Yeah, it's the, uh, the most watched game of Christmas, the year. But it was the fine. most watched game of the year. That's the thing. Thanksgiving and Christmas Day games are the most watched games of the year. So it uh, is not a huge surprise to me that they're doing this. But three is a lot. It also it just happens to be the year that Christmas falls on a Sunday. I don't think they'll go three every year. But, man, that's a lot. I think um, to avoid that overtaking my day, yeah, I think I'm going to – maybe I'll surprise him, but I think I'm going to ask uh, Emiko what she thinks about going to the game. That's kind of fun. That's only going to happen one time. Sure. I mean, we're Jewish. We do the Christmas thing, though. You double dip. We don't do Hanukkah. We just do gifts on the 25th, you know. We don't. There's just no religious I res- aspect I respect to it. your approach. It's an unusual one. It's, I, I mean, you got to do something. It's how I grew up. That's it for Schedule Release Talk today. We'll have more on Thursday. That was News and Notes presented by Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at Upwork.com. Uh, finally, in the news, uh, an unfortunate story um, in Las Vegas this week where the Raiders team president, or as uh, as Mark Davis, their owner, will point out, well, he was only the interim team president. He wasn't actually the team president. He was the team president only for eight months. Uh, who cares? He was there for 18 years. He knows what's going on there. Team president for a little less than a year. Uh is accusing Mark Davis in, in a statement of firing him in retaliation for bringing concerns by multiple Raiders employees uh, about a hostile workplace uh, and the hostile conditions specifically towards women. Uh, and he believes that he was fired in uh, retaliation for that. It's really serious. It comes on the heels of a few other mysterious uh, Raiders executives that were cleaned out last year. There's been a lot of them. Um, it's just a lot of stuff that we don't know what's going on. And in those, there's been some reporting that there was financial um, misdeeds being done by the, those employees. This to me is a lot more serious because the NFL uh, is now getting involved. They say they recently became aware of the in, uh, allegations and they are looking into it. it add another team and another ownership group to the list that the NFL is investigating right now. I mean, this has been a pretty wild offseason on that front. And this employee, you're right, he was there for 18 years. It's a, it's a classic whistleblower move. And he's, he basically, I think, he put his own employment, his own life on the line, I mean, pr- professional life, to do what he thought was right here. So we'll see what they do. Right. I really, I respect what he did and I respect him laying out the reasons for it. And look, it sounds like he knew maybe where this was going throughout. I think there's a lot of documentation. He, he felt that Mark Davis specifically, like he, he put it out there. We're just repeating what his statements are that Mark Davis, the owner specifically, um, created a hostile place for women, did not treat women. Right. And the NFL's like got a problem, like, like society has a problem and the NFL is just, part of society, but I mean specifically the owners that are running the league right now have a problem. Jerry Jones has a problem. Dan Snyder has a problem. Mark Davis has a problem. Like these are some of the most vocal and integral owners in the, in the league and have have really active um, parts of the league have recently gotten stadiums built in the case of Mark Davis and Jerry Jones. And like the NFL has got to fix this stuff. They like Roger Goodell and, everyone that's in this office and it's very tricky to be investigating an owner when the owner is technically the boss of Roger Goodell. But I just want to like see the league we work for actually display 
a level of seriousness when it comes to these allegations. Obviously, the Deshaun Watson story is different, but it's sort of of a same piece. And when your owners are acting like this, like it's your problem. You got You have to do something about it. It's the structurally the NFL needs to change. And I, I, you, you want it to be taken seriously, like you said. And I look at what happened with the Jerry Jones thing up till now. That's not taken seriously. I think the league would rather the, things like this go away. And you know, each the, all 32 teams are so different. And the Raiders stand out as a family-run operation, obviously. But sometimes that's where some of this mm. stuff can happen and fester, where there's less of a committee and more of like a king or an emperor running the show. Right. I mean. This comes on the on the heels of John Gruden and his email scandal, and I don't know if that's going to be involved. Just in the last year alone, the Raiders have seen Department of Chief Financial Officer Ed Villanueva, Senior Vice President of Strategy and Business Brandon Dull, Controller Arexi Grant, and uh, another Jeremy Aguirre, the Chief Operations and Analytics Officer, all resigned or kicked out, fired in the last year alone, which is just like what does that tell you? Crazy. Uh, year for the Raiders as they're getting excited for the on-field product, the off-field products. Uh, got a lot to worry about. Let's get to something a little more fun to talk about. That's going to be Connor or, uh, but first we'll take a little break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our next guest is a very special guest. He's a former employee of NFL Media, a writer for the Around the NFL blog. He's a man of mystery, a man that's full of surprises in terms of his takes, his interests. You never really know where he's coming from. 
He now works for SI.com, and he's a cover story writer. It's Connor Orr. What's up, everybody? There he is. It's great to have you back, buddy. Even How are you? I, we're good. I mean, even though I like had to stop our pre-show conversation because the fact that you think Frozen Two is a great movie just sort of stopped me in my tracks, and I thought, like, what, what are, what are we talking about? Here? What are your reasons? I mean, Frozen, it's a good Disney movie. Frozen Two, it's like they were trying to be deep about like global warming or anything, but it's like trying to be deep as if it was written by a seven-year-old. I mean, it got. It, it the movie I, I was so deep on Reddit about this uh, <laughs> recently. The movie is so incredibly like entrenched in in colonialism, right? Right. That they they did not they didn't finish the job, right? And that that would be my only complaint, right? Like Arendelle should not exist. Arendelle should have been taken out by the wave, um, and the people of uh, <laughs> Northunderla in the forest should have been able to reclaim the land and destroy Arendelle. So that that would be my only complaint. Otherwise, like the music is unbelievable. Um, Adina's voice has never sounded better. Uh, <laughs> and I just think uh, I like some of the songs are really powerful. And uh, I, I'm I'm enjoying the frozen stage right now. I have kids who watch it, but I would say like, there are like several Frozen 2 uh, songs from the soundtrack on my running playlist. I've got to <laughs> say that there's nothing more Connor Orr-esque than the fact that you're on like deep, dark subreddit boards about <laughs> Frozen 2. <laughs> well, the whole time I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I wonder what that song's really about. But it is like... Any it's about movie. what it says it's a trying to be about. But like the whole thing with the colonials, that's where I, they got me wrong. Like if you're going to you can't try to be deep and then get only halfway there. It was it, it, it felt to me like it was trying to be a message movie that really didn't make any, I mean, Connor, any sense. Connor, this is why Greg was not the third limb in the heat and light podcast right. because I your mind is going to take it somewhere totally different. Right. And I and this why my my daughter doesn't love me. And it's cuz I bring up well, these things feels after watching the movie. Let, uh, let me I'll put I'll put a bow in the argument with this, right? I finished uh Ozarks yesterday last night and um, I'm not going to spoil the ending for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Um, but, you know, Frozen, it's like, OK, you put a bow on it. You walk away feeling generally OK, whereas the Ozarks is it, it falls in line with our common theme of all premium television and movies now, where it's just like you walk away with the sense that, like, everything sucks and only like evil people are powerful and rule rule your life. And it's like, OK, I get it. You know, <laughs> I'm you know. You're more of a Disney guy. You're, you a, Disney guy. Shift. You're a Disney guy that, like, that likes a little half-baked storyline about reparations mixed in. Yes. I, I don't need your half-baked reparations storyline. You, <laughs> you executed it terribly. Uh, I'm stupid. I, I, I am stupid. Uh, let's talk um, about stupid potential plot lines for the 2022 season. That's the wrong way to, to introduce this because I don't think this is stupid at all. I'm really excited about this segment. You guys had a podcast, Connor, you and Mark back in the day. And Mark, maybe you can explain it to me and how it relates to this, um, this episode. But what I took from it was you guys look beneath the surface of certain stories that people accepted a surface answer, whether it was darkness in the world or conspiracies. And you went 
below that. And I think that's what we're going to try to do with some NFL stories here. Is that, is I think that there's, right? there's territory to do that with NFL stories. Um, I mean, Connor and I, when he would be in Los Angeles or just over, uh, uh, over our um, direct messaging client, we just naturally talk about this stuff. And the more you get to know Connor, like he'll then send you like an explosive 22-page article he found on said topic. But we would go... I, I'll give you an example. I think one of our first episodes ever, um, I had to convince our ed- NFL editors... Um, this was not when you were... Uh, in charge, Greg, of, of myself. That was someone else. And Connor also was working a shift. We both got out of a shift for like two hours so that I could go into a office while you were in New Jersey. And we recorded an, a, a long episode about the fact that there may be two Paul McCartneys. That the real, <laughs> that the Paul McCartney that you knew early, early on, at some point, um, there was a shift and that human being was replaced. And you can go. Uh, listen to the episode, which does not available anymore. I mean, people can find it somewhere, possibly. Somewhere. And if you're a, if you're a big fan of the show, if you're the type of fan that's on the Reddit board or leaves us messages, uh, leaves us comments and reviews on iTunes, people should do that. By way, by the way, we haven't asked for a while. Then maybe you are the type of person that can find us these episodes and somehow send it to that's us. That's possible. Uh, you can contact Justin Graver at Titans Film Room on Twitter. <laughs> DM him about it and let us know. But it's it's um, it's amazing because you just wrote a story that fits perfectly into this uh, idea for a segment, Connor. You wrote about the NFL's investigation into the Browns and Hugh Jackson's allegations that they weren't trying to win uh, five years ago, that they were tanking. And what you uncovered was frankly, a lot more interesting than anything I expected to come from this Hugh Jackson story. I have to admit, I didn't read it till today. And I'm like, how are not more people talking about this? Uh, I guess like explain to the listeners that, that haven't heard it, just like what, what this story was and how it all fits in. Well, it's interesting, right? Because uh, I went on like a Cleveland area radio station the other day to talk about the story. And they just said, hey, Connor Orr's here. Hugh, Hugh Jackson's a loser. What's your problem? You know, and then it's like, well, yeah, Hugh Jackson won three games. And I think that that obscures three games and whatever it was, two and a half years. And I think that that obscures uh, the general point here, which is that uh, he had a deal with the Browns. Uh, an addendum to his contract that wasn't submitted to the league um, that uh, financially incentivized him to have an increased number of early round draft picks and to carry over salary cap space, among other things. And so our argument is, I don't know what happened. Like the Browns could have been bad because Hugh Jackson's a bad coach. The Browns could have been bad because they were trying to lose. I don't know, but it's incredibly weird and unorthodox to financially incentivize a coach to get more early draft picks and to carry over cap space because there's really only one way to do that. And you have the the plan all written out. That's the part where I'm like, how is more people not talking about this? I definitely want to send it out. That you have the contract details. You just mentioned some of them. Another one was... Uh, finishing top 10 in win probability added on fourth down, which I just found interesting that they were incentivizing him to be analytic, uh, analytically minded in terms of his coaching. But yeah, they were they were giving him extra money, Mark, to basically hi- to, to get 
high draft picks and have young players. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. It's just, I just find it very interesting to see the four year plan, which Connor did the reporting on all written out. I like think that. like Connor, the way you, the way you describe contract stuff, but it turns people off maybe in general, cause it's complex. It's in the weeds. You, you, you added a lot of clarity to that. And I think it does raise questions. I also looking back on that time, like I don't, put, I, the the Hugh Jackson because it's coming from him doesn't totally discredit the whole thing. You're right about that, and that's a probably more local reaction to that. But the Browns were pretty out front about the fact that with Sashi Brown and the rest of that front office, that we are taking a different approach. We're the team that's going to take on. Brock Osweiler's massive contract just to do something that other NFL teams aren't doing. And it was a little bit of a different period back then. And so I don't know if it was like this hidden tank job necessarily. They had a terrible talent. They had no answers at quarterback. And they were looking to accrue and reshift, change the whole franchise through the draft picks. But then the contract which they were not out front about. And if they didn't send it to the league, adds all sorts of questions. So it's super murky. It is. And, you know, it's interesting to me is I think and I wrote a follow up to this um, that uh, included some additional reporting that like, you know, Hugh uh, was one of the only coaches, I think, that we've found. And we surveyed a lot of people who have done coaching contracts around the league who were actually paid you know, or offered to be paid for a certain win total, which I thought was really interesting and doesn't necessarily happen. Like in a lot of coaches contracts, it'll just be like, you get extra money if you make the playoffs, not like you get extra money if you win three games, you know what I mean? And so I thought that was kind of interesting, but I think what it does, and I think the convenience uh, and you talk about conspiracy, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, but the timing of the fact that you can establish basically what your basement level expectations are of being competitive with the Brian Flores investigation looming, I think is hmm. is interesting and just kind of worth considering, right? Because with Hugh Jackson, what the NFL is saying is, no, no, they were trying to win because in Hugh Jackson's second year, they signed, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Zeitler, right? And so even and even though they were in bottom two of cap spending each of those first two years, what they basically did was establish a structure where it can be like, okay, as long as you're kind of here and you can show us some glimmer of reasonable expectation of competition, then we're not going to come down on you for tanking. And I think that the Browns, it, it'll kind of be the Browns line going forward, right? Where it's like, as long as you don't do it any harder than this, I think you're going to be okay. Right? Do, doesn't I, the I, NFL want to allow other teams to do something similar? Doesn't the NFL want to like, do it? You I, said? I was thinking that if you're going to allow, if you're going to open up, the, if you're not going to look at the Brown situation other than through a certain lens as the league, you're allowing other teams to go to the tank method, which we've seen. Right. To be clear, the teams NFL do. looked at all of this and said there is absolutely nothing uh, against the rules going on here. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I just find it interesting to see all this stuff written down on paper. So yeah, I think they're basically saying like the Giants, I think are a good example this year. That's, that's a team strategy that you're essentially spending less money in the short term. The Giants are like, we talked about James Bradbury earlier. They could have kept him if they wanted to, they could have moved money around, but they don't want to, they don't want to spend money this year because they, they have a long-term uh, build. It's just kind of crazy to look at it all written down on paper that the coach is literally making extra money if the team spends less money, which is what is exactly written down here, that if they rank in the bottom quarter of cash spent, the coach, for some reason, gets extra money. 
Yeah, I I think in in the end, and what I wrote in the follow up column, and I think what I hope everyone takes away from it, right, is you have to have now that the NFL has blessed this and said it's okay. Um, I think as a player agent or a player, you have to know that this exists. And if you're signing anywhere as a free agent, you have to be able to find out if your coach mm. has pick a curl bonus in his contract or any sort of. Uh, any sort of incentivization for cash spend or cap spend, because that affects your future career, right? Like, you know, so you have to know that going forward. And so whether that means we're more transparent about coaching contracts, which are basically unseeable, you know, you can Google players contract in two minutes, but you can't find any coaching contract. Forbes always lists like the top 10 highest paid coaches. And it's always Belichick one or two. And they, they just put a number on there and they're just like, Oh, we're just guessing. We're a, we're a publication, but we're just guessing. We're going to put him number one, but we have no earthly idea. I'm with you. I would love that. And I think that that the point you make is absolutely right. And players should push for that. But I have a hard time imagining anything at all, because then you're you're, you're also asking the player not to share that information. If things go sour down the road. I love this story. Everyone should check it out. uh, Connor or on sportsillustrated.com. You can find it from his Twitter account and everything. Do you have uh, something that, that would have been a good heat and light episode, Mark, if it was a little more football oriented. Yeah, yes. It's far less trenchant than what we've just been discussing. I'll start right there. It's sort of stupid. But uh, if this occurred, I think you'd have people that said, this isn't a big deal. This just happened the way it happened. Then you'd have other people saying something about this doesn't fly. You'd be in the second group of people. Well, I think in the spirit of heat and light, like Connor, I think I would both probably be in that. And you might too. We'll see. But here's how it goes. I'll read it to you. This is what I'm saying I'm projecting to happen between now and the Super Bowl. There will be a moment between now and said Super Bowl where NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is advertised to the public as a heroic figure after saving a civilian from a life-threatening event. All right? (laughs) Full disclosure, suspicion will bubble up that the entire thing is a false flag. People like Connor and Mark will have their doubts. Mark will compliantly (laughs) say nothing due to his employment status. But also Goodell earns points for refusing to discuss the event, kind of treating it like something any sort of salt of the earth cowboy would do any day of the week. So it do, you, could, mm. you could argue he's not bubbling it up. But just, to, just it, what will it look like? Look for the event to take the form of Rog saving said civilian from, for example, I'm going to give you a couple items of how this may shape because we've seen these things in the past from a PR (laughs) angle with actors, directors, people that are in trouble. Suddenly something heroic happens, but maybe a car fire. I mean, is Goodell in trouble right now? I feel like he's doing pretty well. It's a bit of an image makeover. I (laughs) mean, I'm just saying he's sort of the first person that came to mind. Um, Maybe he says or saves the uh, civilian from a car fire by the side of the highway or a potential drowning in shark flush waters or from an animal attack in the forest (laughs) or from a tornado, which nobody researches enough to realize no weather event actually occurred in the set place. They said it did from an armed robber, from land pirates, from a gang of rowdy youths with wooden clubs, from a trashy woman on bath salts, from potential poisoning. (laughs) Roger drinks the poison instead and lives from a poltergeist of some variety. Again, impossible to prove he didn't stop a poltergeist. From demon possession, from an envelope filled with a nefarious white powder. Rog just opens up the envelope and imbibes said white powder and lives, etc., etc. It's going to take the form of one of those things. There'll be people that say, oh, that's so wonderful. What a nice story. 
and others that say, wait a minute, there's a deeper story here. We got to cut that for social. You know, definitely. We need to definitely uh, want that out there. And just like, like an at, at NFL commission on Twitter and put that out there. Absolutely noted. Randy is on it. We will have that clip on Instagram. The Graver last one week as producer of the Around the NFL podcast. That would be a great episode. I would love I would love to listen to Connor talk about that. You and Connor. The, um, the it was funny because I was thinking in my mind, I was like, oh, God. If people unearth heat and light, uh, what are they going to find? Because, you know, I don't remember what I said, you know, uh, eight years ago before I had kids and cared about anything, really. And, Nor do uh, I. I. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think there was an episode that there's we no did way on... it was wilder than that. So you're you're covered. No, you're covered. no. We did an episode on pyramids as an energy source. And I think we accused J.P. Morgan of centralizing electricity. Uh, uh, yes, at some it was. Point. Uh, yeah. J.P. JP Morgan took some took some friendly fire or mm. fire just fire <laughs> in that episode. I, I could see your your vision happening. I, there's no sandwich on the line here, no. even though it kind of feels like a no. sandwich prop. Right. Um, I could see Roger Goodell, from what I know about him, uh, doing that. You know, uh, I don't know if he needs like a huge image makeover right now. I feel like he was getting beat up more publicly in the past. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly he has some owners going wild right now that we talked about earlier. And that's bad for the NFL. And maybe maybe this will give him sort of the the juice, the PR juice, almost to do that part of his unpleasant part of his job a, a little more easily. Every, yeah. You know, I'm not just saying this because... We we are we keep it real here on the Around the NFL podcast. Like everyone says, who nice things about Roger Goodell, who actually know him, like behind the scenes. Are, oh yeah, he's such a nice guy. He always did this or that for me. Like oh, you never hear anyone actually say anything bad behind the scenes, which is usually a pretty good sign because we hear a lot of people say a lot of bad things behind the scenes about a lot of powerful people. Um, so I think I think it makes sense that this would happen. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think that he's appears to be a villain on any level when we've hung out with him, but. Like from a national perspective, he could use a little bit of PR. Sure, sure. And if you remember in the pages of Sports Illustrated written by my old boss, Peter King, there was the seminal um, Roger Goodell profile that had a um, an anecdote from back in his college days where I believe he broke up a violent bar fight. Okay, see, there we, <laughs> Here we, there we go. go. There we go. We're, we're setting the groundwork. All right, my, my story, which I think could be something that the two of you would would dive into it's it's not as mystical it's a little more like ozark where it's just like an open-ended question maybe a little more like twin peaks and that is about the dark energy around the minnesota vikings and different teams have different uh energy around them and i think what the vikings energy that's around them right now is that they will never change they are just always the Vikings. They're the, the exact same team as they were year before. Like literally, if you look at their offense, it's it's Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, KJ Osborne, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Mostly the same offensive line. Uh, a lot of the same defensive. Yes, they changed out the coach and the GM, but like that's not enough because ultimately, what is pulling both sides of the Vikings fans' experience is this unforgiving sameness. Uh, that you finish with eight or nine wins and it's ultimately disappointing. And there's a point in the season where it seems like they have your hopes up, uh, but all their fans kind of know that it won't happen. And they're almost potentially stuck in this cosmic 
energy loop where whatever happens around that team, you can shake up the coach and the GM. It doesn't really matter. They're just stuck energy-wise in the middle. I dig it because it kind of feels like um, a house that is haunted. Yes. Where the spirit that... Uh, the spirit doesn't change. They're tr- they're trapped in something no- dark and negative themselves. That's why they are where they are. And like even their dark energy is boring. Right. Like it's a boring dark energy. The Vikings seem, <laughs> uh, no matter what they do, they do seem the similar to me year after year when we do this show, Connor. It's um, you know what it is. It's like it's it, it could be this like private obsession of owner Ziggy will for like he he goes into the stadium on game day in disguise and he's looking around and he just and he just loves the idea of like like a person never reaching a certain level of happiness you know he just <laughs> you know he just watches watches people watch Dalvin Cook slam into the line for like a two yard gain on an ISO handoff. And then, and then know that that person was like really hoping this would be a moment where he could connect Mm. with his son and see an incredible play. But instead, like it's just play after play of Dalvin cook ramming into the line for two yards. And like Ziggy Wilk just loves this idea of, of complete, and utter like unfeelingness like mediocrity you know? I, like wow. yeah. yeah that makes him very uh ungenerous of spirit a certain yeah. sort of um and not even in ambivalence antipathy towards the human race that he wants maybe he wants them to feel not to psychoanalyze here in this scenario but like to feel how he feels um and just feel very middle of the road. I feel like his brother, Mark Wilf, got off um, with the better scenario here. Like, right. <laughs> this is, uh, this is, uh, this is why I need you, like, guys, to help me out with this uh, exercise because mine still sort of went back to, like, what is the Viking standings going to finish? But you guys helped helped me. I think it'd be a good episode. What's one for you, Connor? So I have, uh, I have here, and, and with the Tom Brady news today, uh, interesting sort of, uh, uh, interesting sort of connection here on the broadcaster front. But uh, at some point in the next few months, there will be a credible discovery of a John Madden lookalike in the pa- Panamanian village of La Chorera outside of a Banco General <laughs> that touches off a ma- massive league-wide conspiracy about the legitimacy of his death. So is John Madden really dead? Mm, I mean, mark. it's... <laughs> This is fantastic. So he, he, so it's not like a clone. It's like he's just getting older and older, but he's hit, but hidden out in this um, other area of the earth. Outside of a Banco General uh, in La Chorera, uh, which is in Panama. Uh, and, you know, he just had to escape the hustle and bustle of the NFL. But something inside of me believes that he longs to return um, to call big NFL games, especially now, I, I believe he would top the 35 million a year that Tom Brady just got. To, <laughs> Mark's uh, Mark's face Tom just games. lit up, no, uh, especially with your intriguing. pronunciation of the place <laughs> in Panama. Uh, he just is so happy. I love to see you two together because Con- Connor yes. and Mark, you guys just make each other happy. Nothing wrong with that. We do, especially when we were at the Cozy, making each other happy. <laughs> the, so. it, yeah, I love that yeah. too. Um, I, I think... Um, Madden always would talk about the bus talking to each other at the Hall of Fame. And uh, he believed in mysticism. I believe like that they are never. De- I I don't really believe Al Davis is dead. Like, I don't think Mark Davis got that stadium built. So I feel like maybe they're together. They, al- they yeah. always remain close. It feels very I took possible. A virtual, I took a virtual tour through La Chorera uh, in <laughs> in 
re- during research for the show. And it seems it seems lovely. It seems uh, very nice. All right, we'll do a, a quick speed round. We're going to have to go uh, shortly. Uh, but my just speed round one is just going to be kind of a, an investigation into um, like what it's like to play with Aaron Rodgers. I just feel like that would be a good episode and why why Devontae Adams left. Um, Aaron Rodgers said he was the man who was the reason why people came to play uh, in Green Bay. And now you look at their team and the only, you know, person uh, that came back to play there is Randall Cobb. Like Odell Beckham, that would be a nice pl- place to go play. Aaron Rodgers, you talked about your ability to bring people in and, and attract them. Go get Odell Beckham. You could absolutely use him right now and they have the cap space to do it. And so I think that would be a good episode, just sort of looking into that, everything that's beyond uh Totally. Beyond like, the I, field. I think there's a lot there that um, is yet to be uncovered. My, mine is, this is a more f- sort of football-y uh, I think that we are months away from a sizzling report in which it's revealed. I mean, I think we already feel this way to some degree, but with real facts and and dangerous items and bullet points that the Niners are quietly in turmoil because mm. Kyle Shanahan simply doesn't believe that Trey Lance can do it. And all this business that's been going on for the Jimmy G last season, everything is a fractured scenario mm. inside a team that has Super Bowl dreams. Lo- love that in the sense that it's history repeating. Mike Shanahan and his general manager in front office says that was his downfall. They always started clashing. It was like palace intrigue. I could see that happening. <laughs> What's your last speed round one, Connor? Okay. Uh, uh, Chargers receiver Josh Palmer stuns the NFL in a few weeks with an early retirement, opting to focus on his true passion of creating a rechargeable battery for home gardening equipment (laughs) that lessens our reliance on foreign raw materials. And this this creates thousands of jobs in the process and pulls away dozens of his teammates with the promises of long term employment, pensions, uh, you know, uh, all this great stuff in the NFL basically becomes a massive networking ground for American mind, essential materials business. Uh, so it's players want to get into the NFL so that they can jump into American mind materials and not to stay in the NFL. <laughs> that is going to so kill all because of Josh Palmer. That's going to kill the chargers in the AFC West there. That's, right. a, that's a tough right. division. Like Rashawn yeah. Slater and Zion Johnson are like, Oh yeah, we're going with Josh. And suddenly yes. raw uh, products. Yeah. No offensive line help whatsoever. <laughs> well, based on the reaction, uh, uh, of the the group that I'm watching behind the glass, that was that idea was a winner. Uh, you delighted <laughs> them. They were laughing. They were smiling. They were like children again after Mark and I totally bored them talking about football uh, for news for Most a while. Most of Connor, the people behind the glass are children still. <laughs> well, yeah, you guys are in your 20s. To to us, to us, your children. Um, but we're we're the type we have children. Mark Connor does. He's wearing a less need f them picks sweatshirt right now. I love it, Connor. Um, as Dan would say, you you've said it all. What a, what a delight to see you again. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs> I feel like it's like Dan's away and we got away with this episode or something. Uh, to I think, some degree. I but think he would, no, I think he would have totally enjoyed it and I'm sure he'll be listening. He's, who knows? Maybe he's in Panama, wherever that was. See you later, Connor. Bye, See you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, what a show. Um, big week. Big show. Uh, that was great. And uh, we're going to have a great show on Thursday. Mark, schedule release spectacular. It was always um, Wes's least favorite tentpole event 
by the NFL, but I think we're going to uh, make the most of it. That's, that's absolutely true. He hated it. He hated making a big deal of it. He hated writing about it. And um, Dan, you know, I don't know if it was intentional that he set up his anniversary on a day where they would eventually do the schedule release show like 15 years later. Probably not. I don't Since think it's so. moved around actually over the years. It's now much right. later than it used to be. <laughs> uh, but he happens to be gone. But we do have some special guests. Uh, Rachel Bonetta is going to be joining us on, on the show. Uh, we hope to get uh, Patrick Claybon in here uh, as well for part of it. And so that'll be fun. We will release it as a podcast, hopefully right when the schedule is released at 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific. We're not allowed to release it any earlier than that. I think this is probably the sixth, seventh, eighth time we've done this. We'll, we'll have to find out. Graver, go find out what annual episode this is between now and Thursday. On it. Okay. Uh, that's it. You don't have anything more. No, a lot mark? of legwork for, for Graver, though. Uh, he's doing a great job. Yeah, for um, for the late John Madden, or maybe not the late John Madden, no, Justin know. Graver, Connor Orr, Mark Sessler. We'll see you on Thursday. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.